0: I'm Laura, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Great to be here. Uh, Great to see faces that I have been seeing for 30 years since I came into this program on May 3rd, 1988. I can't believe it. And great to see faces but I don't know. I'm choking myself. i my <laughs> uh, I think I'm a little nervous, actually. I'm very honored and feel very fortunate to be able to speak at this meeting. I'm a compulsive overeater. And when I hear how it works, and I, I you know, sometimes I hear it with new ears. And I just heard it with new ears right now. And I just love it. It's divinely inspired, I think. It's the truth. That's, you know, that is who I am, a part of who I am. Um, I came to my first meeting on May 3rd, 1988. The meeting was at 3rd and Flores uh, in West Hollywood. And there were a couple men standing out front greeting. Um, their names were Matt and Henry. And uh, I thought, oh, God. You know, a man at this meeting, because I had so much shame about the way I ate and the way I felt about myself, and they had smiles welcome, and uh, so heard the, came to the meeting, sat through the meeting. A woman named Ida was speaking, and somebody else, and I think it was Barbara, but I'm not sure. And um, I heard them talk the way they talk about how they ate, and. I thought I can't believe they're saying all this in front of people and um, when I left Matt tried to sell me a big book and, <laughs> and I didn't want it because I'm not an alcoholic and I don't want that and I'm not joining this group and you know and he said well if you can't afford it I'll give it to you I can afford it okay I'll take it and it sat on my coffee table it sat on my coffee table for a good three weeks. That's so funny when I think back. You know, <laughs> I was so scared. I was so, God, what was going to happen here? What the heck was going to happen? What was I going to find out? How was I going to stop eating? What were you guys going to? Was it a cult? You know, I was really afraid of what. What are you going to convince me <laughs> of? And because um, I didn't join groups, I don't think. No, I. So. But I was so desperate. I hated myself and I couldn't understand why I couldn't stop eating. I knew I wanted to be thin more than anything. I knew if, if I were thin, then I'd have the perfect boyfriend and everything would be great. And I was, yeah, I was 35 years old at the time, which now seems so young.
1: <laughs> but
0: it didn't seem young then. It, uh, yeah, I'm 66. Can't believe it. These numbers are really good. And I'm just saying, it like, what? And um, I've been maintaining, oh, for people who, you know, I always like to hear the numbers when I came in. I think I still like to hear them. So I've been maintaining about a 40 pound weight loss. And how the heck do you do that if you're a compulsive overeater? How do you not go up and down? Which is what I always used to do. Well, I didn't go down that much. The, <laughs> <way>. <laughs> the people say yo yo. Yo yo didn't really go down. It, it did a few times. And when it did, I do feel like it was for about five minutes. It was so hard to maintain the diet. I could do it for a while. And then, have, look, how could you maintain a thinner body? Because there were all these feelings. So I knew I'd been in enough therapy to know that I ate over really everything i ate over anxiety depression um, loneliness sadness disappointment but why did i eat over success for goodness sake why did i eat when i had a boyfriend and when i had successes in my career i just i couldn't understand that okay so we want to self-sabotage this that and i i i the big book talks about you know getting outside help and i believe in that I I, my experience is I've had a lot of therapy I'm still in therapy and my experience is that it goes very well with the 12 steps and I personally don't believe I'd have the recovery I do with recovery that I do without the therapy also but I learned in here that I have an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind and when I heard that really I mean Because I couldn't understand why I couldn't stop eating by my own thinking. Because I knew all the reasons. And so when I heard I have an allergy of the body, and I learned about the phenomenon of craving, what a relief. That's me. I cannot eat a lot of foods. I, I definitely have an allergy or a sensitivity or whatever you want to call it to sugar and to carbohydrates that one was really sad to me <laughs> 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 so sad
1: pretty <laughs> really sad
0: but uh, I found that out along the way and um, I remember one, one speaker one saying well what would you rather have Paris or pizza mm-hmm. and I really wanted both I didn't want to have to give up the pizza in order to have Paris like I remember calling Natalie years ago I want what you know and she goes I know you want what you want don't you yes I do I want it and I don't want to give it up and She, you know, she goes, yeah I know and so I'm so glad I didn't go leave um, I've had my food hasn't been perfect these 30 years by some miracle and I still don't understand it I haven't gone back to sugar um, when I say that, I think I'm lying because how's that possible? But I haven't. Um, I've had things, you know, if if you get really specific, you know, you look down and there, oh, there is some, but I haven't gone for the cakes and the ice creams and the cookies and what I used to do. So, I guess I'm jumping around, but, um, I heard the first half of the first step that I'm powerless over food. And, just like with the phenom- phenomenon of craving and allergy of the body and obsession of the mind it gave me relief to think that it's not in my power to do this I believed in my thinking my dad was a self-made man I believed him I was like you can do it you can do it Just you just do it so to be allowed to be powerless over anything especially food that's the ticket. That's the ticket here. And as I was driving here, I was thinking, see, when I came in, I didn't believe in God. I thought it was like, it talks about the 12 and 12. I thought it was for the weaker people, the crutch, you know, it's an excuse. Um, yeah, just chalk it up to God or this or that. But I had a spiritual experience after three weeks of abstinence. I was driving on the 101 uh, going like from the valley to Hollywood and all of a sudden I felt this peace this oneness like I thought everybody driving here we're all in this together and i never never like I wasn't angry I wasn't worried I wasn't anything it was this oneness and a peace and I don't think I'd ever felt peace I, I didn't know what I didn't know this was a different mm-hmm. feeling so I mentioned that to a couple of people and they said, that's God. Well, I still didn't believe that. But I went, okay, maybe. Um, well, since then, I do believe in God. I don't know what God is. I don't understand. It's, you know, I used to question, well, how do you figure out what's God, what God's will is and what your will is? And people have a bunch of different answers. And if it's easy, it's God's will. I, I don't even know what the answers are. But I don't know still. But what I have found, I think, what gives me... Peace is in the seeking. Um, if I ask for God's will, I don't get the answer right away. I'm not, I don't. I don't go, oh, right, okay, I'll turn right then instead of turn left or I'll give this to that person. But as I keep working these steps and as I keep meditating, so I, about four years ago, I started meditating on a regular basis. I did it early on and didn't keep it up and I do it now almost every day and I think I know it's changing things a little like I can hear a little better that intuitiveness which I never knew what intuition was I knew what was up here but I didn't know what's your gut feeling I have no idea my gut feeling is I want to eat all the time <laughs> that's what I wanted to do funny even as I was walking in here and I saw the food out there on the long table I kind of went oh what's that <laughs> what's that for I'd really like to dive in I, I get a little shocked sometimes because I um, you know I don't do it you know I I and I don't I'm not obsessed and I say that with the biggest humility of I could be obsessed the minute I leave this meeting I don't have this down but somehow I'm not obsessed these days for a while but it could change at any moment I know that um, so I believe in prayer and meditation I believe in all the things that we talk about in here because i found they they work it's i remember the first years and i don't even know what the first years are anymore fellowship i was thinking about that for some of the people in here were we'd go to lunch and it's pretty funny when you think of a bunch of compulsive overeaters <laughs> going to lunch and <laughs> what happens <laughs> um, but uh, it was so important you know when I when I came in people said let us love you until you can love yourself mm-hmm. wow you know I didn't know what self love was I mean my parents loved us it was a crazy household um, I yeah I guess I could talk about that I was I'm the oldest of four and it was a chaotic household and I identified when I used to go to AA meetings um, for the the steps and the the program, I identified with uh, people who talk about growing up in an alcoholic household because of the unpredictability and the chaos in our house. They weren't, they didn't drink. Um, well, my mother would have a vodka from time to time, but it wasn't like they were, but they would act, they would rage, you know, and, and yell, and, um, you know, I'm a sensitive person. You know, it says there in the big book, we are sensitive beings. And uh, So how do you deal with all the feelings when you're not eating? How do you deal with anxiety and disappointment and loneliness? Well, I'd go to meetings and I'd go out for lunch and I'd do all the things that we do and I'd write and I'd call people and I'd cry and I somehow didn't eat the sugar. And then there would sometimes be larger meals and I'd call my sponsor and I'd be honest. Oh, and the other big thing, of course, one of the many other big things is the fourth step. I, having been here these amount of years, I've seen a fair amount of people leave and come back and leave and not come back. And I don't know how one can stay abstinent without doing fourth steps. Um, when I did my first fourth step, and I and she was basically a stranger, I know she believed in getting it done in the first year. Um, and it was horrifying to think I was going to have to tell this to somebody. Uh, even though I'd been in therapy and I talked about things, but one of the biggest things I was ashamed of was that in college, when at uh, UC Santa Barbara, when my girlfriends and I would uh, would get stoned and laugh and binge. Um, I would then go into the stall in the dorm, in the bathroom and eat some more candy bars. And what kind of a person does that? What's wrong with me that I have to go sneak and, in a bathroom? So um, I, you know, the shame, I don't really feel I have shame. I mean, it's not something I feel these days. I probably could pop up if I really thought about it <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to say any blanket things you are like oh I'm this that because I'll leave here and then it'll, the shame will just come over <laughs> me so uh, but I, I have um, oh and I learned service in here my sponsor she was tough she was in the Pacific group and I wasn't and she said you have to go to three meetings a week at least and you have to take a service commitment and I think you should set up chairs at this meeting well, that's the last thing I wanted to do. It's the last thing I felt I needed to do. I had a career. I was a responsible person. I am not a flake. I mean, I wasn't a gutter alcoholic or a gutter eater. I didn't really go into the garbage cans in the alley. I would, I went to the garbage can in my
1: house. <laughs> <laughs> but not the alley, I don't think.
0: Who knows? I might have. Um, so she said set up chairs which meant I had to get there an hour and a half early to that meeting and I had a career and <laughs> so I did it and I remember I, on the 4th of July 4th of July was coming up and I think I, yeah I came in May 3rd so i have only been abstinent less than two months and I was invited to a party and I really wanted to go to that party and she said this is your home meeting she said I'm not sure if I went to the party or I went to the meeting, but it was really a big deal. Like, I thought, what is she, you know, who the hell is she telling me that this is more important than my social life? Because I really needed to have a boyfriend. <laughs> and she's stopping me because I have to come to a damn meeting. <coughs> I, I'm grateful for how serious she took it. I am grateful because this is not a lightweight thing. It's, it's not. Uh, not for me anyway and uh, so those commitments and that oh also during my recovery I had gone I've been obsessed doing it perfectly too I've actually been thinner than this I cut like 10 pounds which and I was so afraid to eat a little more than what was on my food plan I was so afraid and that's no fun either that's you know, that's where I, I can understand but Finn is not well. Um, I wasn't anorexic, I don't think, but I was just afraid to make a mistake, which is me anyways. I'm afraid to make a mistake. Um, so I get to look at my character defects and uh, I also remember... Is that it? Oh, that's five minutes? Thank you. I love that song. Uh, the character defects and I... <coughs> remember looking at them and then going so why can't I get rid of them now I know what they are It was the same thing as why can't I stop eating and I know how to do it I know what to do and I know what my defects are it's control and envy and I I know there are a lot more but I just can't think of them right now Um, and uh, and it's so painful to have them and you really when I'm honest with myself and well we have the it's still still frustrating for me um, when I get these feelings and I really want them to go away because they're so uncomfortable and I feel like I should be past that by now Uh, but um, you know there's one word I want to share and one thing I've learned and I'm still learning is self-compassion I think, I think that's been coming from the meditation. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, it's coming from everything, I guess. But that's really a wonderful um, addition to have. Because people always used, people used to say to me, you're really hard on yourself. I didn't think I was, but uh, I have a feeling a lot of us are. <clears throat> um, so, oh yeah, the defects. So we get, to, we get to give them to God. And then we get to go about our business and ask God what to do today. And I have to remind myself of that because I think, you know, I, re- I loved reading Self-Will Run Riot. You know, that I didn't think it was me. Oh, because I knew what's best for everybody, right? Because I knew what was best. And then it talks about in the big book, you know, that we're not the directors And what a relief when I remember that. I, I need to be reminded of that because when you're a parent, when I'm a parent, you know, we have a 20 year old, and it's really a challenge how to figure out or to be in it with. Uh, it does help to remember he has a higher power. I have to say that out loud. Yeah. Harrison has a higher power and my husband has a higher power I'm not the boss <laughs> of him either that's another problem that clear his head yeah I got married for goodness sake I got married in here I got I didn't eat my wedding cake you know and it wasn't a big deal it's like how does that happen so I think it's almost time and um, I'm just really grateful to be here to see you all here and uh I'm so grateful for the idea of one day at a time. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. If being recorded, please restate the question. Okay, we're being recorded, so I'll restate the question. Question:
1: Carol? Um, what took you back to meditation?
0: Oh, good question. What took me back to meditation? Good question. My husband got cancer. And bad cancer. And I was telling... Somebody who I saw at a party, and she's in A N O A, and she says you should meditate, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna try that, and I would. I, that's what got me back. And by the way, this is not it's not because of meditation, but my husband still is cancer free, which is unbelievable so I guess I've been meditating for six years because this was about I mean, he was in chemo at the time so something like that thanks yes
1: can I tell about that there's so many different meditations you can get the ones that are uh, asked um, you can try TM you also can do can try all these things how did you choose what
0: kind to do how did I choose what kind of meditation to do because there's so many different kinds I don't know if that's an outside issue and I should talk to you about it after which I'm happy to do uh, it feels like it might be I don't know or should I talk about it I don't know anybody no what I think
1: it's an outside issue meditation
0: yes specific okay outside issue I'll talk to you after so you talked about how you were on
1: yourself and you learned self-compassion can you talk a little more about how the program helped
0: you? Can I talk more about how self-compassion, how I learned self-compassion and how the program helped me? Um, actually, I think meditation has helped me a lot. And how did the program help me? Talking to, when I think about it, talking to you guys, talking to you guys when I'm and writing, um, you know, writing Dear God letters early on. Somebody told me to write a Dear God letter. And And then answer. And people would say answer with your left, write with the left hand, answer with the right. But it was so hard writing with the left hand. I finally just stopped doing it and I figured it's good enough to write with the right. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, and I'll share with you one thing that I do now, which is still foreign to me, I put my hand on my heart. And that friend suggested that. And I find it really helps. Yes.
1: you say you grew, grew up in a household of chaos how has the program, house of program changed your relationship with your family of origin
0: um, I grew up in a house of chaos and how did the program change my relationship with my family of origin what a nice question, thank you it changed it tremendously uh, I <coughs> I, um, when both of my parents died, my dad died 20 years ago, hard to believe, and my mother died two and a half years ago. I don't have any regrets. I made my amends to them, I, um, I was able to, and uh, yeah, I was 10 years absent when dad died, so, and, uh, and then I have siblings, and I remember making my first amends to my sister way back at the beginning and she, she was one of those ones when it talks about we make amends and we don't ex- can't expect it all to be lovey-dovey necessarily we don't do it for them we do it for us really I think and I made my amends we were in Toronto and she just looked at me and she said if you think that's going to make me feel better you're absolutely wrong if it <laughs> makes you feel better I don't care but it's not going to help me one bit so um, now we talk every day and uh, we love each other I've, there's been a lot in between but um, I. right now there's a rift going on with my brother it's been an ongoing you know, thing off and on, back and forth and I believe it's going to reconcile I really have to work hard at keeping my side of the street clean and not trying to control and admit when I'm wrong I learned in here how to admit when I was wrong and what a great freedom that is to say I'm sorry that I tried to control you I'm sorry I wasn't sensitive to what you were feeling apologizing to my son when I opened a piece of mail that was addressed to him because it was from the school his college and I was afraid he was going to be on academic probation so I had to open it he was on academic He is on academic probation. And I, I wanted to lie. I, I wanted to say I accidentally opened it, but I can't do that. So I told him I have something to tell you, and I'm really sorry. And he, was, he said, It's fine. I thought I was going to be failing, so academic probation is fine. But,
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <right>, anyways. You
1: said you were
0: Yeah, I don't. Did I say I work them every day? I'm not <laughs> sure about that. Um, I, I well, I used to get down on my knees and say the first three steps and the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer. I don't do that anymore. Uh, I uh, I write a dear God letter most days. That's not um, so. How do I? You know, I do meditate and pray every day. Meditate almost every day, but I pray every day. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't specifically do a 10-step when I go to sleep, but I do review. I have an obsessive mind, you know, things don't get really go by very easily. Uh, so um, yeah, when character defects come up, I look at them and I uh, try to give them to God. But, you know, it's nice to know that I don't have to be perfect. Thanks for reminding me in here.
1: <laughs> um, how, how has your food plan changed for the years?
0: Good question. How has my food plan changed during the years? Oh, and the question before that was, how do I work the steps every day? Um, well, my food plan at the beginning was no sugar and three meals a day. And then it has become... It has evolved into, I do have a food plan. I weigh and measure when I'm home. Uh, Most, I don't measure vegetables. Um, uh, When I'm out, I don't measure. There was a point where I did. I actually, there was a point where I actually brought a food scale to Cantor's restaurant. I'm so glad I'm not there anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a, a
0: I'm so glad I'm not taking the scale with me. But that's how, when I got so scared and I had to do it so perfectly. Um, and uh, I pretty much don't eat carbohydrates because I just always wanted more. And, it's, and, uh, and one thing <clears throat> I haven't been eating lately, which is really great, are nuts. And as somebody in one of these meetings said, nuts make me nuts. And uh, I love that. And, you know, I could eat nuts, but it's really hard for me. Even talking about them kind of gets me nervous. Because um, then i think, like, oh, ooh. But I, one day at a time, I'm not eating nuts. So I keep it pretty simple with protein and vegetables and fat and fruit. And, uh, and somehow I don't miss the bread. I mean, if I, my husband makes toast every morning and the smell of it, mmm, so yummy smelling. But somehow, I don't do it, and I don't crave it. Diane.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. Could you, have just touched on it, actually, is there anything else under the sort of self-care and putting yourself at the top of the list that you do now after all these years um, to take care of yourself on a daily basis? And also, do you have a little quick prayer, perhaps, that you
0: what do I do to self-care uh, to take care of myself and do I have a quick prayer I don't have one of those quick prayers like one of those shortcuts that I hear people have I wish I, wish I did but I don't uh, I mean I, when I think of it right now I can't, you can, please do mm-hmm. you know that I've heard in here and I do that sometimes and oh the serenity prayer I, I try that a lot and um, the third step, prayer, I find is really helpful. And self care. Yeah, I get manicures. I get my hair done. I, I do all these things. Now that, that and I, I really, and I box. Um, <laughs> that's really fun with my trainer not I'm not you know, I'm not at <laughs> the range professionally like, even though I kind of have a fantasy of doing that but you know the old lady but it's really fun it's really fun to music um, and uh, but one thing that I have to remember for me is it gets dicey sometimes like putting myself first because I'm a pretty self-centered person and um they always used to, yeah, this is kind of sad, but I, they always used to say I was selfish. That, that hurts when I think about that. I don't know if my somebody was saying it. I don't know if it was my parents or my brothers, uh, but there's something like, oh, or I say it inside myself, you're so selfish. Um, um, so what helps me is when I remember to be of service because then it really does, and I learned that here. It, somehow I get self-care by being of service.
1: thanks um, you mentioned that you got married in program and it sounds like before your aim for getting married
0: was to get a boyfriend so how did you get um, how did program help you get a little more sane about love relationships oh how did the program help me get a little more sane about love relationships huh. <laughs> 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 just by being abstinent I had to just deal with who I was and with therapy and oh one big thing was I have become well I had to become less judgmental yeah that was one less judgmental and uh such a big question and it's so am so glad I'm married to the right guy um, to the right man yeah I, I don't know uh, how did it help in every way it's just the whole thing just doing the steps writing to God crying trying doing the footwork going on the darn blind date <laughs> going on it was before the internet so it was that what was it called great expectations where you make that, video. that what it was called yeah. that place on Sautel or <laughs> Oh, those blind dates but you know I learned in here do the footwork and leave the results to God that's a great expression do the footwork and leave the results to God what's your concept of God today versus what it
1: was when you first came into the program
0: well when I what's my concept of God today versus what it was when I first came into the program well when I first I'm I'm Jewish I um, I loved going to Hebrew school when I was little uh, because there was structure and, and they had sugar cookies and grape juice on Saturdays. I <laughs> still so remember. Somebody asked me the other day, how can you remember that? I said, it was food related. Of course I can remember it. <laughs> like what you ate 30 years ago. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have a concept really of God when I came in. And then, as I said, when I had a, a feeling of peace and oneness, and then this idea of a higher power, and it wasn't me. It's not me. I'm not God. There's something else out there that has power. And then, and I, I loved hearing, you know, don't pray for, and don't pray for yourself, and don't pray for parking spots. Like, I don't, I, and I love that. And I found that when I try to do the right thing, I sometimes feel God. I, and then connections with people when some, these weird coincidences happen. And I get the chills, and or or when I hear truth, you know, when I when somebody tells me a truth, and I say a truth, and all of a sudden you go, oh, and like I'm feeling it kind of right now. So I don't have a definition. I just I don't. Oh, um, and now I'm thinking about it. When I was into like eating too much guacamole, um, and I called somebody and I said, you know, I just eat guacamole every after every, you know, right before dinner. And he says, so what is it? Do you want guacamole or do you want God?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that it?
0: Five, wait, no, done? Five minutes. Oh, five Thank minutes.
1: Thank you. Um, I can't imagine you having not experienced grief and abstinence. How do
0: you deal with grief and abstinence? Oh, how do I deal with grief and abstinence? Did you say you can't imagine I have it? you have abstinence? not. I have and had long enough that yeah, sure. True. My mom died, my dad died, and my youngest brother died in July. And um, how do I deal with it? Just deal, with it. walk through it, walk through it. Just like my sponsor said with the fourth step. You know, I'm so afraid that first one. You walk through it. And courage isn't. Lack of fear. Mm. It's walking through it, and um, you know, I found, I find when I really feel the sadness, like really feel it, it's, it's kind of freeing. It's pure when it's really when you when I really feel the sadness, and uh, I, um, I, I somehow you know I have a lot of love in my life I'm not lonely anymore I could get lonely if I think about it
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my uh, but um, yeah I don't know how it's going to be if my husband dies but um, just just walking through it and sharing and talking about it and not having somebody not being around people well you never know you can't control what people say but having the room for the feelings and having being with people who have who can allow the space for the grief and and it has its own timetable there's no I know that it has its own timetable Michael it's great
1: to see you Um. So uh, fear of making mistakes. Oh, you, mm-hmm. um, you have any of that going on right now? <coughs> and I uh, get through it. You find when you get through it, the fear. I mean, I still
0: have it. So fear of making mistakes. How do you get through it? Do you still have it? Yeah, and even if yeah, I do. I have to. Yes, I do. Um, I'm not having it right this minute, but. Uh, doing something new and um, do the footwork and leave the results to God that helps it's do the footwork and leave the results to God it's worked for me time and time again it it, it it's so hard uh, and baby steps they told me baby steps and they other times bookend I don't want to do it. I'm scared to do it. Call somebody, and I, I, can I book in even now. Why not? You know, one of the things. Yeah, humility. You know, I think about that a step. Where. So I hope that helps. Is there? Is that? Is that oh. Um.
1: So, you have a fear of a mistake, you do your best you can, you, and then you
0: make
1: mistakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, a, a, a random mistake creeps up on you, and you feel, how, how did I have done this? How do you deal with making mistakes and being
0: imperfect? Yeah, how do you deal with making mistakes and being imperfect? Like, you're afraid to make the mistake, and you go and do it, and then you make the mistake. And then, how do you deal with it? Yeah, that's not easy. Um, but... I have one friend who says so you're human I'm like you're human oh the world's not going to crash down because I made a mistake you know I, if, it, if it hurts somebody I have to apologize You know, I opened that letter from college <laughs> that was a mistake um, I've made yeah I hurt somebody's feelings yeah but I mean I really did learn in here and I believe this to not beat ourselves up Mm-hmm. I used to think that was a good thing to beat ourselves up because if you beat yourself up, you'll eat less. You'll do it. You'll do it right. And you can do it. I, I didn't believe, I really did believe that. Um, but I, I've seen that doesn't seem to work. Is that the time? Do we have time for one more? Or? Okay, yes.
1: Yeah. Thank you. You said. About
0: opening your son's letter, we sometimes do things because we feel that we need to do that. And I don't call that a mistake. Hmm. But I intentionally did it, and I have to admit that it makes me do Can you talk about how you told him you did it? Can I, can I, how, did I how did I tell my son I opened his letter? Yeah. Um, I waited till he was seemed like in a good mood
1: <laughs>
0: and I knew I couldn't wait too long because we learn in here to make amends immediately but I he's pretty kind of reactive and sensitive so I said her, you know I think I mentioned it I said I, I have to tell you something I made a mistake and I oh, I said I was anxious I was feeling very anxious and I uh, did something I shouldn't have done and I opened your mail And I'm really sorry that my anxiety um, led me to uh, act in a way that I'm not proud of and um, intruded on your privacy.